there's two things that I think from the experience were um, it's just too really hard to solve problems through traditional means, through, I guess, decentralized means, or maybe to yesterday's decentralized means. Let me yeah. clarify that. Is uh, first off, a decentralized search engine for categorizing products. That's oddly hard to do. Not oddly, because what and do you search? Right? It's, if it's all decentralized, where do you find it, and how do yeah. you put it together, and what's real, and, and who's gaming it? And yeah, I mean, having a listing of all the products and all the filters and all the other stuff is great, but having an algorithm that intelligently figures out what you actually want, what are the best results, that's, oh, a, that's surprisingly tricky. And then the other thing is the the trust mechanism of like how do you buy something like what's your recourse for returns and things like that and everything i've known has either been some sort of a like in the past before the prevalence of smart contracts and things like that um everything was some kind of a janky escrow service where it's like well you have to like you have to double pay and then some like democratically elected arbor holds on to some of this and depending on the vote it's just like that's never going to work at scale. It just has to be able to buy it. And then if there's a problem, there's like a problem. Like you figure that out. I think the and reputation, maybe you need better reputation systems. Are fine, systems. Right? I don't when, know. When, if somebody has a hundred percent reputation as thousands of transactions, they're not going to, that, that to me is that, that, that system works. I know that's all we need. Um, yeah. They're not going to jeopardize their reputation. Usually. I'm sure you could have some sort of a thing where you have a, a beta test period where, you know, you have to basically prove your um, prove that you're completely trustworthy through a bunch of purchases as a purchaser and then as a um, as a merchant. The problem is reputation systems are difficult without identity, and if it's an identity-free system, you have to work on a decentralized digital identity, which so far, like using NFT systems for that, kind of works. But the problems then there's so much like no privacy around a lot of nft platforms these days like way less than even like just regular old bitcoin so we're we're getting close to the ultimate solution to all this but it's still like still kind of rough i don't think we're there yet well i think we're gonna okay. i mean we, the technology is out there for sure to do it but how to implement it in a way that people are gonna use it and you know like you said there's a whole lot of other factors in there um yeah i, I thought open bazaar mm -hmm. had, a, had a good approach and i but i think as these new platforms these second layers all these things get built on top It'll be a lot easier to build this stuff, and as it gets easier to build this stuff, you'll see some really creative ways of, of utilizing it and, and decentralizing it. And even if the mantra is just always decentralize everything, just because you can. So what? So you try it out and see how it works. And sometimes it, you know, it's not an efficient way to do it, but uh, it's an interesting experiment. You learn something from it. Yeah, you wiggle back and forth until you, <laughs> from centralized solution, decentralized solution, you just until finally they kind of. The experience gets really close. Yeah, I mean, we we did stupid things on chain just to see if we could do it, and then realize, okay, mm -hmm. well, maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe we should just put it on an IPFS and put a link onto the chain because that thing's really big. We had to do like two hundred and some transactions to get all that data on there. Yeah, of course. But you learn a lot. So, so going forward, you're writing, um, you're doing your the, the podcast, and uh, you're mm -hmm. still living on Bitcoin. You're always going to live on Bitcoin or Dash, I guess. The majority of what you're doing now is Dash. Yeah. Yeah, so at the end of 2016, it was like a good year in, um, middle, like early, mid-2016, I closed my bank account because I hated, I hated them, got rid of them. So depending on living on crypto since 2015, living on banks since 2016, this year at the re reintroduction of some 
bank-like services that still aren't banks, so I just probably for simplicity to stick with the 2015 one instead. But uh, at some point towards the end of 2016, the block size started to fill up. The, the Bitcoin block started to fill up, and the fees started to get high, and the wait time started to get high. And it would be, we're not talking the 2017, like, oh my gosh, it was a week and it cost $100, like that kind of horrendous stuff. We're talking it started to get to like 50 cent territory, one dollar to like 50 cent territory and you wait two hours mm -hmm. and that started as like a you know a digital cashier with you know modest means that was a big problem for me already and like most people didn't have that come to jesus moment sort of come to satoshi moment for another year but it kind of forced me to reconsider things i just looked at what else is out there that i can use because i didn't want to like say hey, try to live on crypto it didn't work and just kind of go back you know that would have been a huge once you once you're there you can't it's hard to go back so i just looked at the top coins it's like well ethereum's not really a money litecoin was like abandoned as far as like development at that time in 2016 um and then his base bitcoin cash didn't exist for another year so like dash was the one thing that was there and so i switched to using dash and to this day it's like i guess 80 90 percent or whatever what i use for payments as far as like buying stuff occasionally i use some other stuff but it's for a few years it was the one thing that was that you, the only thing that really worked for someone like me now there's a couple of different options you could probably use but in my particular set of circumstances and geography it still still works the best and kind of works better every year as far as the technology is concerned I remember during that time uh, it wasn't just the block sizes were full you didn't know if the transaction was ever going to get full it was the first time i saw things go in the mempool and then just disappear and you're like wait what happened and they're like oh yeah that's expired and you're never it's never going to go through so it gets rolled back and we had this whole congestion um yeah i remember we were using dash dogecoin Things that wouldn't, things that you could move quickly, but wouldn't change in price a whole lot, and those are like the stable coins of mm -hmm. the time to, uh, to move stuff around. Um, because Bitcoin, if you move yeah. Bitcoin, a you didn't know if it would get there, you didn't know how much it was going to be expensive, you didn't know how expensive, and worse, you didn't know if it was actually going to get there. That's something funny about Dogecoin is because, um, first off, Litecoin in the 2017 boom got to like several dollar fees Litecoin for like did, a brief really? period because, <laughs> yeah, because. It was just like two days because uh, every it was the peak of congestion. So everyone was using People Litecoin could as not the alternative get because Bitcoin was so expensive. Okay. Yeah, I mean they they couldn't get their things off of Coinbase. Litecoin had Coinbase, so they swapped it over because it's it, not an on-chain transaction. And then they used Litecoin to move. And um, the other funny thing is Dogecoin has been one of the more used as far as transaction volumes are concerned, like payment coins over the last several years. However, when it became famous because of Elon, its transaction counts have gone down significantly. Not all the speculators. Because it was, right? well, it was used to like swap things cheaply back and forth. And then all of a sudden when the price goes insane, the fee, the transaction fee also went up with that. And then just all the, the, the actual use case that kept Dogecoin around enough for Elon to even pay attention with got ironically killed by the attention that he kind of put in and so <laughs> it's yeah it's a lot of people don't know these things like everyone's accepting dogecoins everywhere but the actual number of dogecoin transactions has gone down significantly since since the fame yeah but i think that's because we used to just give it away not thinking it would ever be worth anything and you know but and, and that's the mm -hmm. thing you could move large volumes of it because it would just maybe blip up a penny and right or you know penny a point zero zero 
um, and, mm-hmm. and not do much of anything. And, and that was the value is that you could just give it away. New people, here, here's a bunch of Dogecoin, play around with it, you know, go ahead and give it to other people. And then all of a sudden it's worth something. Like, wait, I'm not giving it away anymore. Like, I'm going to hold on to my Doge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But it works. The <laughs> yeah. thing is, now- it works. The funny, the funny and ironic thing about Doge is it works. And it's one of the most accepted coins on all the... Everybody took Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Dogecoin. That was all that existed early on. So Dogecoin was everywhere. And you can move. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of a... It's going to be interesting to see how the crypto space moves in this these next few years. Because I think we're getting towards the the early majority part of like mass adoption in the, in the next bull cycle. Like everything seems primed you know, for that kind of thing where you might see five to ten percent of people paying with a crypto in like a coffee shop in some areas or something where you might it's not all everyone but it's like the when apple pay came on the scene kind of vibes uh it's so we'll see where we'll see what happens because uh for the longest time i mean it was bitcoin was the proven model and then you had like the 2013 i guess like shitcoin boom when everything was like well it's basically bitcoin but maybe one small <laughs> parameter changed and then that kind of washed out and then 2017 is more of like the the alt boom where you had stuff that was you know pretending at least to have a lot of the same decentralization type principles as bitcoin that did other that did meaningfully other things but then this last cycle it was a lot of not only you know DeFi and NFTs booming, but also a lot of chains that just gave up completely on like the sound fundamentals. Like who cares? Like I remember in the early days, like Litecoin had some sort of a uh, issuance bug at the beginning, where a whole bunch of coins got created on the first day, but not really that many in result of the, its supply. Dash used Litecoin's code base, and the bug was exacerbated in doing that. And then for years, everyone was like, well, I heard that the supply was weird on the first day. And then, like, despite being super well distributed today, but then it's today, the, like, it's you the have, difficulty. Like, who knows what... It's the, the, the dash that, so when we would fork Dash, yeah. the problem is people would come in with all this hashing power, and they would just go, bing, 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 and they would take all these coins, and then the difficulty would pop up. And then nobody could mine it, so then you'd have to put all this hashing power on here just to reduce. It. That's that's what was going on there that early, yeah. and then they changed the the algorithm so it wouldn't do that anymore. I remember they didn't. Yeah, anyway, I, I recall. Yeah, <laughs> it's so. But people used to care. They used to be like, "This is a black mark on the project. We can't touch this stuff." And all this, you know, and no one like does anyone know where all the Solana comes from or who has it? Does anyone care? No, answers no. Like in that era, no one cared. In the last couple of years, no one cared how decentralized, how crony it was behind the scenes, how anything. As long as they just make like, money. Does it make shiny <laughs> thing happen? And then in this next coming cycle, what are we gonna? What are we in for? Like, are we in for a back to fundamentals thing? Um, I don't necessarily think so. But the cycle after that, I think we will. People like get within burned, then they go to fundamentals. Six or so years, right. seven years. Yeah. I, I always tell people to look yeah. at look at the project and look at the people involved in the project. If there's a bunch of marketing people and their developers run, don't don't look at that stuff. Look at look at their GitHub repo. Yeah. Look at what they're actually building in there and the people that are talking in there. And if it's like two guys, don't. don't On do the it. other hand, though, I've kind of swung back to a middle point on that because if there's no business and marketing people. That means that you're never going to have a good end-user product, right. and it's just going to be one of those like made safe name coin, whatever these things, you know. 
No, 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 you're right. There has to be a balance. But I'm just saying there was there was a complete pendulum swing. There were no developers and all these marketing people saying, we got the best and this, look at this white paper and look at this. Yeah, yeah. we'll get the developers later. Don't worry about that. And of course, it never happened. So, yeah, Joel, sure. what's, what's it like in, in your area? I mean, New Hampshire, live free, die free state. That's, mm-hmm. Are people are people using cryptocurrency a lot there? Are you getting some weird looks when you go to to try to spend it? Um, it's a pretty. I wouldn't say it's like a crypto mecca right now, but it has very deep roots in the crypto world. So, for example, I think the Manchester crypto meetup is the longest running in the world regular like regular meetup in the world or something like that. Um, I, it's it's really hard to get. 100% on like you know these on facts yeah those claims but in the early days you had people like like Eric Voorhees used to come to that one Vitalik Buterin's been through there uh, Charlie Shrem used to come and uh, Lamasu is a New Hampshire company originally the first ever Bitcoin ATMs came from New Hampshire uh, Free Talk Live was talking about um, Bitcoin after they had Gavin Andres and Satoshi's apparent heir come on the show and from that, Roger Veer heard about Bitcoin hearing the New Hampshire-based Free Talk Live, and that's how he got into it. And uh, obviously, the library protocol is based out of here. Um, AnyPay, which is probably the best uh, crypto point-of-sale system out there right now, is based out of here, or at least was in the beginning. And some of the first pro-crypto legislation happened here. There's still a picture of like Governor Chris Sununu holding up a sign that was like, Monero Dash Zcash, like a bunch of like crypto logos on it from like, and that was back when the da- the old Dash logo, you know, the angular one, not like the more round. It's like so it's like back in the day, and there were quite a few merchants that took crypto, like point of sale merchants for a while. Um, I mean, so I went up to the Porcupine Freedom Festival in 2014, like mid 2014. I didn't bring any cash, and I survived the whole week just on Bitcoin because if everyone took it, and there's quite a few merchants that do take it, but it's not not maybe one of the top places that does it, but um, the Free State Project, just having a group of individuals who care about this stuff makes it kind of in like a social currency in, in amongst those kinds of people. And it's kind of strange because the crypto world is so fragmented these days where you go to... I've been to like meetups and known people all over the world, and what what does crypto mean to them is very different. Like there's a lot of people talking about trading strategies and stuff, and then there's people talking about all this like DeFi, DGen stuff, and there's like a bunch of different areas, and that is kind of cool. But there's like a lot of people who have zero interest in like spending it as money, and <laughs> I kind of I have a hard time respecting those people. I mean, I'm not saying they're not worthy of respect. I personally just don't because. It's like you, even if you're not focusing on that, if given the opportunity, you should be excited, right? I mean, you should be about this. I think you know it's kind of the whole point of crypto is to start there. And it, the good thing about the New Hampshire crowd is it is very much of a you know digital money to use instead of government money kind of vibe. So yeah, that's continued on to this very day. I think most of the early Bitcoins awesome. were in that category. I mean, that's. When I went to my first Bitcoin conference yeah. and saw all these anarchists, I was like, "What? What is? You know, what is where is this? What is? What is this from? I'm a, I'm a programmer, mm-hmm. and 
this is an interesting field. And of course, then I took the orange pill completely, and that was oh, now I get it. Now I now I know why you want freedom. Now I know why you don't want the government to do this. Now I get why you know we want to decentralize everything and not allow people to you know because I worked on Wall Street and we we built all those dumb systems. So now looking at it, where we can decentralize it, what an eye opener. And it and it changes you. It absolutely people don't understand how. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin is going to change you. If you learn about it, it changes you. Yeah, it's a combination of learning about freedom and voluntary systems and also just the rabbit hole of the technology. And it's funny because I've seen people who got into the digital cash era and they're kind of like a little jaded now because you look at all the the dumb stuff going on in the space today. And I never really got jaded because, I mean... The focus has sometimes been annoying. There's been a lot of lack of fundamentals and stuff, but like I see the technology was like, you know, we'll show you how far the rabbit hole goes once you get the orange pill. It's not like you just get get unplugged and you're there. It's like it's years and years of like going down. It's like what else can we decentralize? How else can we run things? <laughs> That's what I tell people what like, if they start off the and they think of it as money and then and then they have another epiphany, like, oh my gosh, this is a statement of truth. It's what's more and then and then they go down further, and then all everything they start looking at starts. They start applying mm-hmm. decentralization to it. So, what's next for you, Joel? Probably another coffee, as far as today. <laughs> but um, basically, what I'm trying to do, I'm going to be writing for Human Events about crypto, which is interesting. It's my first writing gig for a non-crypto publication about crypto, which is I always like because that's where. The crypto space knows very little about crypto, right? But the non-crypto space knows nothing. And it, it'll be fun to kind of crack into that stuff. I'm still building my channel and business. And so I can do the um, how to live on crypto and how to build a business on crypto next year. And that's kind of like most of my focus right now. And yeah, that's just, and I'm also an absolute like anytime, anywhere media person. So you might see me in some random podcast with three million subscribers or three subscribers. It doesn't matter. I'll just I'm out. I'm there. Out, I'm there all the time. <laughs> Getting the word out in any way possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You seem like you're the right guy to do that. It also seems like you've got two pretty decent topics that you could have awesome books on. Yeah. At some point, I mean, do people still read books? I just I read tons of books as like a young person, and I think I, I kind of my attention span has gone down the older I get where I'm just like articles or tweets is like my, or like maybe I'll put on a long form podcast while doing things like audio thing, but to just sit there and just I sh- go through where I did struggle. I leave the book. I, I have to do that sometimes still. And, and, and I struggle to do it because you just want to go on YouTube yeah. or you just want to go somewhere and get the snippets and just piece it together. You don't need to know like the deep dive. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll write some books at some point and with a disclaimer of like, um, I don't read books, so can someone buy my books? They can read me and tell me if it's any good because I don't know. <laughs> well, listen, li- living for on, me, it really living depends. Living on Bitcoin and talking about, it, especially in the early days, is an interesting thing to do. Um, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, especially you, mostly here in the United States, you traveled, right? Or, or you were in Europe and you went everywhere. Where did you find it easiest to travel? Where was it the m- um, most widely accepted besides New Hampshire? Well, to be honest, <laughs> to be honest. In my experience, I it's been New Hampshire and everywhere else is worse. But that's only because I have not been able to travel to, let's just say, Tokyo during the whole or Bitcoin cash boom or like Western Australia when they had all that stuff or 
Um, there's a Bitcoin Cash conference in St. Kitts soon that I would like to be able to attend, but just other stuff is in the way, so I haven't been there. I've not been to El Salvador, and I was not in Venezuela during the big like dash boom back then. <laughs> so I have a biased sample size, what I'm saying. So Western Europe has um, some systems and workarounds and stuff. Central Europe especially, like Austria. Austria is a really good spot yeah. for that, I think. There's a lot of merchants there. Not a lot, lot, but there's there's enough. Uh, but that's kind of that's kind of where it's been. So Austria, Switzerland, oddly not that much, even though Germany, same thing. You know, uh, France is like a wasteland right now for crypto, I think. But hopefully they get on board. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a that's kind of the overview of things. If you're going Central Europe, I would say Austria is a good a good spot to like use it.